Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. Importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo and help your organization move forward in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. That's exactly right. We're here to shake up the status quo. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. Today's buzz, boom! No, nothing's crashing or burning. It's the sonic boom. Let me get started. Enterprises and organizations around the world want to continually and continuously innovate and expand their products and services. They want to go into new markets and geographies. They need to expand their customer base. How else will you sustain your business? But at the same time, they have to retain their existing base and keep those people really happy. They have to grow their revenues, improve productivity, and energize employees. Wow, I'm tired just reading this list of what they have to do. You're probably thinking, this takes a long time. But wait, there's something new on the horizon. It's called cloud. With the cloud, savvy businesses are creating new offerings at supersonic speed. That's where the sonic boom came in a minute ago. You knew I would tie that all neatly in a package. Actually, not quite supersonic, but offerings can be created in minutes, days, and weeks versus what used to happen months, years, or lots of years. Is your company ready? I have a panel of two experts today. They have so much to say. We only invited two people because they are ready to pounce on this topic. And let me bring on my first guest. He is Dr. Fausto Bernardini. He is a vice president of offering management for IBM Managed Cloud Services. And Fausto sent me the following quote from George Bernard Shaw. Before I read the quote, I just want to tell everybody, in case you're very young, you don't remember, George Bernard Shaw worked on, well, let me tell you, he's the only person to have been awarded both a Nobel Prize in Literature in 1925 and an Academy Award in 1938 for his contributions to literature and work on the film Pygmalion. Anybody remember My Fair Lady? Duh. Yep, that was GBS. And here's the quote from Dr. Fausto Bernardini. He says, The reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. Probably weren't thinking that was going to be the answer. Fausto, welcome. How are you today? I am doing very well. Good morning to you, Bonnie and everybody. Good morning. Thank you for joining me. So talk to me. Interesting quote. I didn't expect to see George Bernard Shaw and Pygmalion show up in a quote on a show about cloud speed. So tell me how we came to choose this, Fausto. Isn't that an interesting mix of uh, literature and technology? But I think it applies very well to uh, today's world. Um, You know, I, I think it's we're in a moment of very disruptive innovation. And so there's some uh, glass that needs to be broken in the process. I think it needs uh, you know, some bold uh, moves and statements. I think the, the quote applies very well. Uh, right now, um, you know, there's always the tendency to stick with the known. And uh, I believe, um, you know, to innovate right now, you really want to be on, on the forefront and take some risks. Okay. Do you think George Bernard Shaw would understand why he's here today? 
I don't think we've ever had him on a radio show. We get some very interesting people who are quoted in the opening of the show. Do you think he would get it? Do you think he would say, well, I don't know. What is this cloud thing? What is this about business having to go faster and innovate more and keep everybody happy? Do you think he would get it at all? Maybe he'd write a play about it, Fasto. What do you think? He would probably write a play about it. Yeah, I'm sure he would find a way. I think he would. Thank you very much. Good to meet you. And let's bring on our second panelist. It's David Sweetman, a senior director for SAP. David and I go way back a couple of years ago at SAP. And David sent me a marvelous quote from Yuri A. Gagarin. The quote is from Life Magazine, April 1961. Those of you wondering who Yuri Gagarin was, he was the Russian cosmonaut who became the first human in space, making a 108-minute orbital flight in his Vostok 1 spacecraft. There's the trivia for the day. And here's the quote. I saw for the first time the Earth's shape, the shores of continents, islands, great rivers, folds of the terrain, large bodies of water. The feelings which filled me, I can express with one word, joy. What a beautiful quote, David Sweetman. How are you? It's been way too long. Have you been? Oh, I've been very well. Thank you. And thanks for having me on the show. We're delighted. Talk to me. How did Yuri Gagarin get on a show about cloud speed? Yeah, I thought it was a beautiful quote, and really it, it uh, described uh, a launch of a, of a new view of the world. And, um, you know, while before he went, he went into space, of course, we had maps and what have you, as we, as we all do now. And as we see the news, you know, most of those maps uh, show borders at the end of the country that we're living in. And uh, for the first time, he had a, a, a big view of the whole world and how it connected with our borders um, with greater certainty, you know, no one was guessing that the map guys got it right. And, uh, and it gave accurate insights into things that we could only guess before, you know, kind of things like weather patterns and, uh, mm-hmm. and the rotation of the earth. And, and so from that, he was able, you know, we were able to launch into a new era of greater visibility and greater insights into what we were going, what was going on both in our countries and around the world, because we saw this whole interconnected uh, planet. And, um, you know, last week I went to uh, a presentation um, with, by Susan Helms, at the, who spent six uh, months at the International Space Center. And I think that's ah. the, the other angle from, for this story is that, uh, you know, the International Space Center is one of those remarkable uh, achievements that we've been able to achieve as mankind of, of actually collaborating with various countries around the world um, in something that's sustainable and being being built for, for the good of mankind. And I think in many ways, cloud computing, the Internet, and all of the innovations that we're, we're seeing as a result of it, um, it you know, it draws, draws parallels to, to both this, uh, you know, initial launch into space and then the International Space Station and how it's changing the world. Thank you, David. Very, very interesting. Do you think Yuri Gagarin ever dreamed that he'd be looking out over back down at Earth and seeing cloud patterns and that some point in the future we would be calling this new technology cloud and it would be something that was in a whole different realm than what he was observing as a physical mass called the cloud? What do you think he would say? Oh, it's funny, isn't it? We've uh, we've adopted terms that... (laughs) Uh, the really, we've, at least we've moved away from bits and bytes and into something that we can we can grasp as being bigger than ourselves. So, uh, so I think he would be happy. 
I'm, I'm glad. Thank you very much, David, and nice to talk to you again. I'm going to circle back yeah. to Dr. Fausto Bernardini. And, Fausto, I have probably the most difficult question of the whole show. I think you know what's coming because Digital World with Game Changers Radio is part of our bigger series called Coffee Break with Game Changers. So I want to know a couple of things. Fausto, where are you calling from? What time of day is it? I'm here on the East Coast in New York, so it's 10.09 a.m. Where are you, and what's in your cup right now, or what do you plan to drink that's really interesting after the show? Fausto? (laughs) Well, I'm drinking something interesting right now. I'll tell you, I I am in New York. I live in New York. I've been here for uh, for the last about 20 years, Uh, but I grew up in Italy, and so I cannot start a morning without my cup of cappuccino, and I uh, brew my own from a vintage espresso maker uh, that I actually uh, inherited from an uncle of mine. So I think it's something that was made in the 50s in Milan. It is, uh, you know, a hand lever machine. It uh, gives me great joy to actually use it every morning uh, so I can modulate, you know, the strength of my coffee the way I feel. (laughs) Uh, And that's what I'm having right now, a nice, uh, foamy, strong cappuccino. That sounds delicious. How many of those do you have a day? I don't want to pry into your personal life, Fausto. But... <laughs> well, after the caffeine of espresso coffee, it's from here to uh, until tonight. I see. We got a got a caffeine gig going on there. Thank you. Talk uh, about super uh, supersonic yeah. speed. You got supersonic speed in a cappuccino machine. Good to know. And David Sweetman, where are you right now? I'm guessing West Coast, but I'm not sure. What time of the day is it? And tell me something interesting about what you're drinking. Yeah, it's uh, 8.10. I'm in Colorado Springs, um, Colorado. And uh, I'm much much less sophisticated than Fasto. I have a, a packet of Swiss Miss hot chocolate. We we had some snow over the weekend, and uh, it's, we, we have white, you know, white mountain tops at, at the window. So I'm savoring the, the last days of winter uh, before I move to the, to the sparkling spritzers. Wait a minute. You still have white mountaintops there, and it's April. Yeah. Today is April 28th. Seriously. I know. It's, uh, it's amazing. It's, uh, we've, had, we've had some good weather, and now we've, now we've got the snow back again, which is good. And, David, do you do anything creative to the Swiss Mist? Do you add anything to it? Do you use a special kind of milk or do you use any cinnamon? Come on, give me a little personalization here. What do you think? Oh, my goodness. I'm just an out-of-the-packet guy. <laughs> okay. All right, I won't call you a plain plain Jane, plain David. Thank you very much. Guess what? We have a lot to talk about today. I'm speaking with Dr. Fausto Bernardini from IBM Managed Cloud Services and David Sweetman at SAP. We've already covered some interesting quotes, one from George Bernard Shaw and one from Yuri Gagarin. That's a pair to behold already. We're talking today about the speed of cloud. Organizations need to innovate. They crave it. They need it. Sustainability relies on it. They have to expand everything wonderful, their products, their services, their markets, their geographies, their customer base, all while keeping the engine of the business running all the time. So we have a big topic here to cover today. When we come back, Dr. Fausto Bernardini is going to kick off the roundtable. We're going to try to do 30 minutes. I have to tell the two of you, you're going to have to work really hard to fill a whole half hour, but I have no doubt that you're going to be able to do it exceptionally well. And I think when we come back, Fausto, we're going to start off with something a little provocative. The cloud is a new computer. That's one of the notes you sent me, and I like that. I think that 
that's a good jumping in point. So you and I will chat off air. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Digital World with Game Changers Radio. And by the way, if you want to tweet these words of wisdom from my panelists, you can go to hashtag SAP Radio. I see Brad Borkin tweeting today. I see Susan Wallace, Susan IBM Wallace. I like that handle, Susan. And SAP Services, I think that's Jessica. And we'll be right back. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The digital world is moving faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, such as more digitally demanding employees, customers, and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and extensive business networks and complex supply chains. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Digital World with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Digital World with Game Changers. Welcome back. Our topic today is innovating at cloud speed, and I'm going to add a little tagline to that, the real game changer when you're listening to us on Digital World with Game Changers Radio. So this fits perfectly. My panelists today are Dr. Fausto Bernardini from IBM Managed Cloud Services and David Sweetman from SAP. And Fausto, we are going to kick off the roundtable right now. I'm looking at your notes, some interesting things here. Um, I'll read a couple sentences, and I'd like you to expand them. You say the cloud is the new computer, and you put quotes around computer. We have to start thinking of a real utility model, continuous, portable, standardized. It will take time, but that is where we are going. So why don't you tell me more? Go ahead, Fausto. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is one of the great disruptive changes that is uh, you know, accelerating the innovation pace. The I think right now, you know, some people are looking at cloud as a an assembly of of parts, you know, it's a you know a, a an easy way to get traditional um, you know virtual machines, which essentially replace the box that you have sitting under your desk or uh, in your data center, um, mm-hmm. as well as storage and other things. I believe the cloud is much more than that. It really is a continuous computing facility. Um, which is evolving. Uh, of course, not everything is there, but that's that's where directionally it is going, and will essentially provide a new operating system, a new runtime, so to speak, where we will run our applications. And uh, you know, over time, we will no longer think of it as okay. Let me get you know one OS instance, you know one one computer, one server. 
one piece of storage. We'll think of it as a continuum of resources uh, from which we tap to run the different environments, applications, mobile, and all the new innovation that we bring to market. So I think it's a it's really a, a different concept, something that's evolving. We're seeing just the beginning of it, uh, but that's the way directionally we should be thinking and thinking of leveraging for new business models. Thank you, Fausto. David Sweetman, thoughts? Oh uh, yeah, I, you know I, I completely agree with uh, with Fausto on that. Um, you know I think we, we when we look at cloud though it's uh, you know it's it's more than just the virtual machine as uh, as Fausto was saying. It in particular I I think when we when we think about the the availability of uh, of cloud as a computer, you know, it, 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 it doesn't have the cost barrier of the conventional machine. So you can dip in with no, next to no money, which increases the amount of innovation that people can bring to the table. So we now can have, uh, you know, people in garages, people without any, you know, much money being able to access uh, cloud and be able to build very innovative uh, new applications you know, on the side of existing applications, et cetera, without uh, a big barrier to entry, the cost of actually having to buy a machine and uh, get it configured, and uh, and also have a lot of expertise in all of the various layers that get that machine up and running. You know, as uh, Fasta was saying, the operating system and the, you know, the servers and all that kind of stuff, it's very it's complex stuff, isn't it? Now I think we've moved to, to a new dimension. We, you know, we have the ability to very easily develop uh, using uh, platform as service technologies. Uh, we're, we're able to assemble applications that may be out there already and integrate them with others and uh, just increase the whole uh, connectivity between various parties very easily and simply. And uh, so this, is, this in, in many ways, it's just giving us uh, a, a much broader ability to provide all sorts of new solutions to, yeah, to to us all. You know, we think we in the business world we often think of customers and uh, uh, how we provide products and what have you. But it's um, you know we're we're able to go beyond that to to provide all sorts of ways to make our lives better. Um, so um, yeah, I, I I would say certainly yes. Cloud is uh, is maybe the you know beyond the the new. New computer, it's uh, you know you know it's much more and offering all sorts of ways for us to interact in new ways. Thank yeah. you, David. I want to go you. to another one before I go to David's uh, notes, and I have a lot of them. Fausto, I'm looking at something else you say here, and I think we need to address this. You say new companies unencumbered by legacy systems and processes can progress quickly and disrupt markets. Look at Uber and WhatsApp. Uh, and so let's talk about that a little bit because we have an audience all over the world, Fausto, and I'm sure there are some entrepreneurs out there. I like to call it people with a gleam in their eye. Boy, could I start a new company? Oh, do I have the next great something or other? And they're thinking, wow, what's this cloud? I could certainly get it done faster, cheaper, and work my way into the market disruptively and make a splash. So tell me a little more about this, please, Fausto. Yeah, I think I'm amplifying on what uh, David was saying about uh, you know, sort of democratizing the access to compute mm-hmm. resources. It just makes it a lot easier, faster, and um, um, you know less capital intensive to get access to incredible amounts of compute power. 
uh, very sophisticated systems. So with cloud, and, and this is what you know, some of these uh, companies have done, um, you can buy into a global capacity, you know, a, a global system mm-hmm. um, of, you know, of compute and storage and uh, lots of automation and lots of workflows and other things that help you do what you need to do to bring your disruptive business model to market. And you can do it without building it from scratch, right? Traditionally, mm-hmm. uh, if you were to build something like an Uber or a WhatsApp, you would have had to buy components, assemble those components in a data center, hire staff to just run, you know, just keep the lights on, right, as we used to say. Um, and essentially, a lot of your, um, you know, basics, uh, you would have to cover, uh, which, of course, increases the risk of bringing that business to market. So I, I think a lot of the disruptive innovation that we've seen coming from startups all over the world really has been enabled by the fact that you can, um, you know, uh, you can much more easily uh, bring a new idea to market with less risk and less investment. In a sense... Mm-hmm. Cloud brings down the, the the cost of failure. You know, it's uh, it's easier to survive a failure when uh, you know you can experiment in the market without investing a lot of money. Uh, and in fact, I think we've seen a lot of business models really emerge from, okay, let me try this new application, this new business model. Let me bring it to market. Let's see if it sticks. And if it doesn't. I'm going to adjust, refine, and try again. And guess what? I mean, I you know may get it wrong a few times, but then if I get it right, and I really need to scale, as some of these successful companies have seen, to millions of users, well, it you know I don't have to go and all of a sudden go sign leases for new data centers and buy millions of dollars worth of uh, computer machinery. What I do is I simply let my application scale naturally within the cloud that's being provided by, to me by one of the global providers. So it's uh, uh, you know, incredibly empowering from that point of view. Thank you, Fausto. And I, uh, when you mentioned that you can afford to, the cost of failure has dramatically decreased and you can do in-market development, uh, that reminds me very often we talk about fail fast and fail often. Get in, get out refine, adapt, repeat, uh, what is it, rinse, uh, shampoo, rinse, and, and start all over mm-hmm. again? Yes. So that that's part of the new model. Uh, David Sweetman, we have a lot of information here from Fausto. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and I think you picked, you picked a couple of great companies there, didn't you? And, uh, you know, I think we all wish we were part of the investment team in uh, WhatsApp. I mean, $19 billion. Even sold to Facebook, it's just incredible. And only five years in business. So that really, I think, is a testimony to, as uh, Fasto was des- describing there, it's the the access to to develop these, these new technologies quickly um, and then develop uh, a value in the company. Um, I mean, there's just so much money um, in, the, in this space at the moment. I was just reading this morning about... Uh, Apple sitting on 190 billion in in cash reserves, and you know you think, well, that that's that's going to just spur all sorts of uh, innovation and experimentation and investments in Silicon Valley and around the world. 
uh, on companies that are looking to to build that new disruptive technology that can that can uh, be bought by you know one of these companies with with uh, massive massive amounts of cash reserves. So that's Thank all you. that's all good for for I think yeah. us all as uh, uh, it's it's just going to accelerate both the um, the pace of innovation. And uh, and also the the opportunity for um, for companies to cash in. So that's going to going to help uh, companies get funded easily. And uh, you know, and and cloud is is even helping with that, isn't it? With crowdsourcing and crowdfunding, mm-hmm. um, helping companies come together in new ways using the power of networks, and then combining their knowledge in new technologies in in different ways to develop something of value. And so this. Kind of comes back to that that, that previous uh, statement about being the, one of the most important things. I think we, uh, we we're looking at at the moment in innovations that can help is this platform uh, and selecting the right platform and partners is is kind of critical to that story. You know, you you need to be able to select technologies that are going to be easily connected with others, and in many ways that's going to give the companies that already have that framework a, a bit of an advantage over others. It's like uh, building stuff from Lego rather than, um, you know, coming up with your own building blocks. Mm-hmm. And so so I can see see some parallels there. You know, I'd love, love to speak more about, you know, Uber and, why, you know, some of those things, because I think that's got great parallels as well to uh, to, where, to where we're going in in the, innov- the types of innovations that are coming out. You know, in, in the last, uh, say, 20 years, supply chain management kind of change change the world of how we were able to optimize transportation um you know and get production synchronized uh by having visibility through through connected networks of business you know and and companies with lots of money had a huge advantage they would be able to build these networks and you know use technologies like uh, electronic data interchange to to make sure systems were connected and nowadays, that, that same kind of philosophy of supply chain management is coming to, to individuals with things like Uber uh, mm-hmm. and, and the driverless cars. We're able to understand at a very individual level where, where things are and use that kind of same supply chain technology to make sure that we're getting the right resources to the right place at the right time. And, uh, and that, I think that's going to have big impacts on how we live and um, and a lot of the technologies that will be coming out that will be additive to uh, some of the corporate systems. You know, it's all about getting close to customers and providing additional value. And I think uh, this next wave is is moving beyond the, the big company entities and and extending into uh, into getting close to customers and in a far more individual uh, way. Yeah. Thank you, David. I All good points. Yes. Fasto, yes, Sorry I want to hear your comments. Yeah, I completely agree and just, just wanted to amplify yes. a couple of points. Um, Please. I, I think right now, to, so first of all, I mean, it's, it's an incredibly exciting time to be in uh, both in technology and business as innovators. Because I, I kind of see it played in two ways, right? There is the enabler is what's within the cloud, and within the cloud, I think it's a very exciting time to be for technologists, uh, you know, in, in IT and, uh, and, of course, for companies that play within that space. Um, I think from, uh, in a sense, you know, we have moved up 
from really focusing on the components, which is, you know, so say the, the CPU, the storage, the network, to really optimizing essentially a planetary scale system. You know, that's, that's what I refer to as, you know, the cloud is the computer. I look mm-hmm. at the assembly of, you know, 10, 20, 30 data centers distributed across the various comp- uh, continents connected by super fast, you know, digital network as a single system. And uh, what's interesting is that even a small company as, you know, Uber and WhatsApp and many others were, at, you know, in their beginning can tap in that planetary scale power, which is amazing. And now the, you know, the innovation within that layer, within the cloud, is that you know, we are going from simply making it easy to access, um, you know, sort of modular components like, again, you know, CPU power, storage, et cetera, to actually going up and up the stack and creating an operating system that makes it very easy to build applications that have immediate business value um, in a very fast way. So time to market is incredibly compressed. And what that means is that now we go to the, the next tier of innovation, which is on a business level. So, you know, within the cloud, I think it's, you know, all the, 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 the various providers, um, uh, you know, innovating within that. And then on top of the cloud is really where the exciting business model innovation happens. And, you know, when I say, you know, unencumbered by, by legacy, what I mean is that if you embrace this new model of cloud, the various, you know, platform as a service, the new runtimes, the new models, mm-hmm. you really have an incredibly compressed time to market. You can experiment with these new applications, bring, you know, this disruptive new, new value to the market and do it, as we said before, with um, a much smaller risk and investment than you would have needed just a few years ago. That is you know, spurring this all new wave of models. Of course, you now for every successful Uber and WhatsApp and, and Instagram, et cetera, there are you know, many others that did not get as famous and big as fast. Um, but that is all part of this um, you know, in-market experimentation that we mentioned before. I, I mm-hmm. think it's extremely important because it is, um, you know, the, so together with the, the supplier side, which is to say, okay, it is easier to create these applications, make, make them available. We also should not forget that the consumer side is very empowered and enabled by all this. And I, I would say, especially because of mobile, uh, mobile and cloud really go together. I see mobile as the key access model for things that are created in cloud. So in a sense, cloud is the supplier side and you know, mm-hmm. mobile enables the consumer side. So essentially you have you know, billions of people connected via their mobile smart devices to the applications and the business innovation that's happening in the cloud. And because of that tremendous uh, volume of potential customers that you have for your application, I think it's uh, you know the, the only way really to you know find the right niche, find the right formula, uh, is to go and experiment in market. 
Thank you, Fausto. I'm thinking back to David's quote from Yuri Gagarin, and I'm thinking, I looked down and I saw the feeling of joy. And I'm wondering if the consumer realizes that it's because of cloud and these new technologies and speed to market for amazing new apps that they are getting a different kind of a different level of joy in their life. David, what do you think? Playing off on what Castor just said? for sure, the uh, I think the impact on the individual is, is is big, and hopefully, you know, people don't really need to know whether it's uh, cloud or what, what's going on behind the scenes. I think that's one of the great things about cloud technology. It's uh, it's accessible and uh, it's it's hidden all of that uh, complexity and made life simple. You know, um, as, as you mentioned, we we have much more reliance on mobility and. Uh, and individual applications, and really, that's that's the the most important thing. People need to be uh, married to their applications much more than than any particular technology. And uh, behind the scenes, the connectivity should be the responsibility of companies that really focus on in on that and where it's their core competence. And uh, so, um, so I think that it, what's happening is uh, it, it's putting much more pressure on core systems being simple and solid. You know, service mm-hmm. level agreements have to be way up there. You can't have downtime for system maintenance and upgrades and support anymore. They have to be always available because these mobile devices are relying on them so so much. You know, as we walk past a, a Starbucks store, you know, and the, and the mobile phone knows where we are and it's saying, hey, why don't you pop in and have, uh, well, in Pasto's case, a cappuccino. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. You know, because because it knows where we are. In order in order to to be able to to have that kind of service level and connectivity, you need to be on all the time, and uh, you can't have downtime. It's going to really impact everything that you do. And as we move into this world of uh, kind of driverless cars and and what have you, uh, connected devices um, in in every dimension of our lives, uh, we're going to rely on those core systems much more and more and more, and they have to be so simple and solid so that we can build these innovative applications around the edge and have them work with that same reliance. Um, so for me, it's, a, it's, it's an exciting time, um, you know, for, for people that are both developing applications and using applications, and particularly for us on, a, you know, a very human level. I think it's going to make our lives much uh, much happier and better because we're able to do things that we weren't able to do before. And do we dare say make our lives a little more fun and exciting and interesting? <laughs> and wow, I couldn't do that. I mean, let's let's just drill down to the consumer level. Wow, look at that app. That's great. Are you using this? No, I'm not using it. Well, why don't you get on board? This is really cool. And that's where it all drills down yeah. to, I think. Now, David, I want to talk about hyperconnectivity. I'm looking at your notes here, and, and I think you mentioned the Google car. But let's talk about why hyperconnectivity is so important. And, and you've talked a, a few minutes ago about the SLA, the service level agreements, and consistency, and everything needs to be up and running and up and running and not go down because we rely on it. So tell me a little bit about what your definition of hyperconnectivity is. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess it, it's in danger of being one of those uh, computing terms that's a bit, a bit gobbledygooky. But what we really mean is, you know, everything has to be connected as much as possible to everything else in order to be optimized. And if we take that example of the Google car, you know, for, for a Google car to work really well, it's got to know, um, you know, traffic light systems. Um, ideally, it's going to know where, where there are, where there are uh, backlogs in traffic, et cetera, so that it can optimize the journey, 
you know, in, in parallel, as we, as we currently do in, with our GPS systems in our cars currently. Um, but even beyond that, our car itself has to be ultra-connected. You know, we need to be, because it's driverless, we need to be able to know, you know, what, what, what the level in the battery is or whether there's preventative maintenance on any aspect of the car. Um, you know, if we have a uh, 90-year-old grandmother or our, you know, 10-year-old daughter going off in a driverless car somewhere, we need, we need to know that they're going to get there safely. So we need to know both that the, the mapping systems are connected, that it's safe, it's connected. We know where, where they are, and then that the, the preventative maintenance of that vehicle is taking place at the right time. So those sensors in every aspect of the car is putting more emphasis on things working uh, almost to the level that we, we as consumers expect airplanes to work at. You know, we, we don't expect them to fail because they have such rock-solid preventative maintenance systems. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those kind of things are just going to be automated into everything that we do, whether it's our refrigerators, our washing machines, our cars, um, so that uh, our consumption model of, um, of, of things is going to change. It's, uh, you know, we're going to be maybe buying stuff more on, a, on that subscription model, um, mm-hmm. you know, because which will include maintenance and upgrades and sports and that kind of stuff. So, Thank you, David. Okay, Fa- thank you. Fausto, any yeah, comments that, on that? Yeah, that, that I think brings up the, the third leg of innovation today, which is data. Uh, we talked about cloud and mobile, mm-hmm. and I think really the discussion is not complete without talking about the availability of connected data, again, on a planetary scale, um, which I think is, you know, part of what uh, David was referring to, right? We we have all these systems that make um, that make data available, be it, you know, uh, mapping data, you know, uh, real-time traffic, uh, sensors everywhere, um, you know, all of that, again, enabled by the cloud in terms of making it available, uh, enabled by mobile in terms of making it accessible. But then really, uh, I think a lot of new innovation will come from merging data from different sources and, uh, and finding you know, new value, new insight uh, from that convergence. Uh, so, you know, in the case of a self-driving car, it may be, you know, access to, you know, the, the, the latest maps, real-time traffic, um, uh, you know, maintenance records, and, you know, uh, probably communication between the, the different cars themselves and, you know, lots of other things like that. Um, I'm sure there are, you know, many other ideas and probably many of the entrepreneurs um, you know, that are listening in right now that are thinking about, you know, joining a particular data set available globally on the cloud with some other data set, uh, you know, smash it together and find some new, uh, you know, new idea, new insight that comes out of that, that brings value to the market. So I think that's, that's the other, that's sort of the third lag, right? Together with access, um, you know, pervasive access, uh, of course, uh, you know, the, the compute resources, and then the third one is the, the availability of data and make it all work together. 
Thank you very much, Fausto. I want to move in a slightly different direction. I want to talk about something that may be perceived as a negative impact of all this wonderful cloud innovation and cloud speed. You say in your notes, Fausto, organizationally, this requires an inducive change. Repetitive, labor-intensive tasks and jobs will go away. What's the impact on the worker population, Fausto? Yeah, I think there's nothing you know, you know very new about that. I think we, we've been through... Um, you know, different, um, you know, automation applied to different uh, parts of what we do uh, many times in the past, and this is just another one. Uh, we, you know, the, the way we used to build systems in the past, which was very custom-made, required a lot of, you know, custom work. It was mm-hmm. so small and unique that it would not lend itself to automation, not, not because necessarily it was difficult to do, uh, technically, but just because the volume for that particular, you know, customized instance was not big enough to warrant the investment in automating it. Uh, with cloud, what happens is you are massively standardizing your processes. Mm-hmm. And if you are a cloud provider, uh, the economies of scale that come from automating even the, the, the smaller processes are enormous. So there is tremendous investment towards that automation. That, that's essentially what really from a cloud provider standpoint, that's what the cloud game is. It's all about scale, standardization, and automation. That's where you get the economies of scale, and then you know, that's what you uh, sort of provide to your, uh, to your clients and users. Uh, so uh, you know, it's exciting from a technology standpoint. Of course, it induces a tremendous shift in the type of uh, labor and jobs that are created. I think a lot of the more, you know, menial tasks and repetitive and, you know, sysadmin type of uh, low-level things, uh, I think will, over time will go away, will be replaced by much more robust automation, self-healing, you know, these type of capabilities. At the same time, um, you know, the, 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 um, all the work that needs to be done to create that automation is creating tremendous new jobs, companies, and economies around cloud technology. So if I see today, there's many, many, you know, exciting new developments, exciting new startups in this particular field. Um, you know, so for example, and, and we were going technical now, but, you know, there's the whole mm-hmm. container um, work, for example, that's happening that really enables portability uh, between clouds. That's very exciting. And that that you know that's all new innovation that's creating new jobs. And then, of course, uh, it's enabling what we talked about before: all the innovation at the level of applications and mobile, etc. So I see a shift of um, you know of skills from the the sysadmin to the creative application writer, all the new web technologies or the new mobile technologies. Thank you, Fausto. David Sweetman, thoughts? Agree? Disagree? Yep, yep. I, I agree. That's uh, great, great potential and uh, great opportunity. Um, you know, we've seen dramatic changes in recent years with globalization. Uh, of course, that's uh, giving us access to, to all sorts of uh, new talent pools. Um, I think the, in everything 
I'm reading and hearing about it seems like we are moving towards more of the virtual employee uh, type kind of structure where people will be much more project-based. Um, you know, we're seeing contingent labor as being being an important uh, element and building networks, which may be formed from uh, kind of alumni or uh, LinkedIn kind of networks uh, is is going to be important to be part of a network as we as we're we, you know, get getting jobs uh, that are in this project-based world. So it's going to put more emphasis on technologies, such as uh, being able to provide kind of consistent certification and standards uh, across employees, so we know what we're getting when we're hiring someone from uh, for, for a short-term assignment. Um, more emphasis on education and training, and making sure that uh, that's available and accessible from anywhere in, a, in an easy-to-consume way. And then more emphasis also on, on things like collaboration tools and connectivity for employees. So I think we're, uh, yeah, we've got dramatic change ahead of us, and it's, um, in many ways, it's this movement towards much more individualization, and uh, companies are going to have to change the way that they um, that. They, they gain um, loyalty from the network of employees or partners that they have that, uh, that are working for them. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting times. Thank you, David. And, David, I want to talk a little bit about uh, – I'm looking through your notes. We have a few more minutes until we head into the predictions round, and I'm sure you yep. and Fausto have a lot to predict. But I want to talk about globalization. You're saying cloud systems provide for consistency and standardization, which we've already talked about, that can be accessed and rolled out quicker than ever. Um, for a startup company, is this something that's critical from the beginning? They're not – they're not saddled with legacy systems. They can see the future. They can see the world as a global playground, if you will. Is the cloud going to empower them to go global with their products and services right away, or is this something they have to work into? Yeah, yeah. I mean, cloud is uh, is providing uh, glo- global access for existing businesses and, uh, and and new companies. So for uh, for existing businesses, it's so much easier to be able to open up um, new, new offices, experiment more, as uh, Fasto was alluding to earlier. Um, you know, in the past, you had to set up uh, a whole IT infrastructure in, in, in a local uh, region or a, a new country that you may want to, that may look appealing to you for your markets. And it was uh, it, it was very expensive uh, to, to do that. There's a, a barrier to entry, and now with cloud, you know, with an internet connection, you're able to access systems. Um, many systems, um, yeah, you know, the, the, the biggest systems have globalization designed into them, and um, so you know, the, being able to to incorporate legal standards and conventions uh, mm-hmm. that may be within borders that, that's important too. Um, so that's on the on the bigger business side, you know, accessibility to new markets and uh, right. barriers to entry are dropped. On the individual base, uh, I think being able to, um, to to get get a leg up into um, uh, cloud innovations is 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 much is enabled through um, access to to things like the platform and service, uh, where people can build new applications using toolkits and frameworks and assembled. Uh, pieces together and provide new innovative applications. So being a, being able to both access those, learn them easily and quickly, and gain value 
from them and then have uh, have a framework for supporting them is uh, is, is also going to be important. Thank you. Fausto, oh, yeah. thoughts on this globalization with the cloud? Yeah, I I think they recorded it very well. Uh, I'm I'm just so impressed that uh, you know small companies, uh, startups, you know, have the ability to reach into the you know global markets in a way that was absolutely unthinkable just a few years ago. Um, so that again, that is, and especially right if you um, if you join that to the rise of the whole social uh, business and ways to get connected uh, has, you know, you, you can see example after example of success stories in that realm. So it's quite impressive. Thank you. And you know what? I think we're going to go to predictions in about three minutes. I'm going to open this platform to both of you, Fausto Bernardini and David Sweetman. Anybody have any topics we didn't cover? You you two graciously sent me a lot of notes, and I've tried to cover a lot of material here. But is there anything critical? I, I don't know. We talked about security, security of data in the cloud. I know that used to be part of every conversation we had years ago about the cloud. So is that a topic we should mention briefly, Fausto or David? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's an excellent topic. Actually, I have... Uh... Uh, my my own personal experience with that, I, I you know my my job is uh, you know I, I work with lots of clients and and many clients with very sensitive data, including banks and, and you know insurances and financial institutions. Mm-hmm. And it's been amazing to me the way that discussion has evolved over the last uh, two or three years. Um, three years ago, you know, with these costs of clients, it was all about, well, when we talked about cloud, it, it had to be about a private cloud. Uh, essentially, there was, you know, other than for small experimental projects, there was really no appetite for, you know, moving anything significant to the quote-unquote public cloud, right? It was a big, scary term. Um, and especially, you know, it was, and, and security was the, the main the main issue. In part, because of perceived weaknesses, in part because simply you know, nobody wanted to be the first one to jump. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that discussion has changed incredibly. I, I can tell you, and without, without naming names, but I had this discussion uh, with the bank um, you know, two years ago, and we ended up um, you know, realizing a private cloud for them. Mm-hmm. I had that same discussion with a large insurance company last year, and they finally decided to embrace a hybrid model in which, you know, they have their data stays in their data center, but everything is standardized and monitored from outside. Uh, and then, you know, just this year, we, you know, I see clients moving to a multi-tenant environment as long as they can see that the, you know, appropriate controls are in place. You're getting more and more comfortable with the idea that you can actually have very strict security and data privacy within the cloud. Again, it's a, it's a matter of evolution and proof points um, and really applied investments in, in the right areas. Uh, so the cloud is, you know, clearly evolving. You know, two years ago, the the driving use case 
was really more for you know in the e-commerce, internet-based uh, you know type of businesses, but it is now getting to the maturity that is required to actually run very you know core business workloads uh, from the most demanding type of enterprises. Thank you, Fausto. And guess what? We're going to fast forward into our predictions round. We have four minutes left. I'm going to divide it equally, be a good mommy here, and give you each two minutes for predictions. So, Fausto Bernardini, I'm going to ask you if you can look forward ahead to the year 2020, or how far in the future can you look, and tell me what would be different about this conversation. You tell me what you see in the crystal ball. Predictions, two minutes, go. Yeah. Um, well, I, I want to go back to my, you know, cloud is the computer um, prediction. And again, mm-hmm. you know, that is something that I think will be realized over the next five years. So I think that's that's the right uh, time frame for it. Um, I'm not saying that everything else will go away, right? We have been through a number of paradigm shifts uh, in IT and computing in the past. And each one of those has brought a new way of doing things, but it's not necessarily replaced everything else, what we today affectionately call the legacy, right? Um, but, but I do believe that the cloud as computer uh, will be the primary model of tapping into, you know, compute power uh, for, for both startups and large enterprises. Um, in, in the five-year time frame. And they will look at cloud really as a utility model with a continuum of resources that can be tapped into and shaped in the right way to, um, you know, to enable the, the right application, the right workload. Thank you very much, David Sweetman. I saved two minutes for you. Predictions, go ahead. How far in the future would you like to predict? Great, thanks. Yeah, I think in the next uh, 15 years or so, I'm very, very optimistic, I have to say, on uh, more of a human level about the quality of life that we're going to have as individuals as a result of uh, cloud computing, you know, effectively being able to access and manage large amounts of data and be able to use it in different ways to make our lives better. And, uh, you know, I see examples of that being, um, as mentioned earlier about the supply chain, you know, and driverless cars being able to use our resources much, much more efficiently than we ever have in the past. You know, and uh, from my original quote there with Yuri Gagarin, you know, being able to see things from different perspectives from space, you know, now they're able to, to, man- to monitor much, much more closely resources, natural resources like water and where there, where there are uh, surfaces and where there are deficiencies, and perhaps be able to use those kinds of technologies to make sure that we're using the resources that we've got much more efficiently. And, yeah, I know it, it can be as simple as making sure our sprinkler systems go on and off at the right time, but, um, you know, that kind of men, uh, mentality of really under, understanding our individual behaviors much more and being able to match them to, to resources that are available in an efficient way really will span everything in our lives from health through education and community. So, uh, you know, on the health side, being able to understand us as individuals uh, based on, on the data that we have, being able to provide uh, more accurate health, uh, pre- both preventative and uh, restorative health, 
you know, being able to be much more directive about education. Um, those kind of things are just going to make our lives so much more, more uh, enjoyable, I think, uh, you know, open up ways for us to use resources more efficiently and collaborate better. And, uh, you know, finally, going back to that uh, original... Ten know, seconds, David. Ten seconds. Yep, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the International Space Station hopefully will be the model, but we'll all work together, you know, as one big happy family around the world. Thank you very much. Great predictions from Dr. Fausto Bernardini and David Sweetman at SAP. Uh, I have enjoyed the conversation, which I sure put the two of you through your paces, filling a whole hour with just two speakers, and I really appreciate all the effort you put into bringing such interesting information to the show. So Fausto Bernardini at IBM, thank you. David Sweetman at SAP, thank you. Shout out to Brad Borkin, Jessica Schubert at SAP for tweeting. Susan Wallace at IBM, thank you. Brad and the Business Channel team. I'll be back, believe it or not, in one hour hour with business innovation with game changers at 12 noon eastern here on the business channel tomorrow i'll be back with coffee break with game changers and we have a special sneak preview tomorrow of our brand new series meet the visionary game changers you don't want to miss that one we'll play it on coffee break and we'll play it in its own new time slot thursday morning 10 a.m eastern so i'm bonnie d graham thank you so much for listening and here's my call to action fasten your seatbelt. what are you waiting for Go out and be a game changer today. That's an order. Bye-bye. Talk to you in an hour. Brad out. Thanks again for tuning in to Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.